Good morning. Oh, you can hear me. Okay, so we should have some slides up. Um, and I'm going to ask for slide number one. Hopefully the overhead projector will work. But if it sort of stops working halfway through, uh, I'll just keep on talking anyway. And you'll, you'll, just, have to, uh, you'll just have to listen to me. So, um, light in the darkness. Uh, I was... <laughs> Um, Bob said earlier, Stephen's preaching on joy to the world. I was like, oh, I don't remember that being the, the title. But it's uh, light in the darkness was on the notice sheet. And I was like, yeah, I think it is light in the darkness. I checked my notice sheet, definitely light in the darkness. But, but inadvertently, um, it's true because I will be talking about joy. Hooray, I will be talking about joy. So, so you knew, you, it was like prophetic. It was prophetic, absolutely. Uh, rejoice. The light has arrived. Rejoice, the enemy is defeated, and rejoice because Jesus is the light. He is the light of the world. And so there's these three things that we want to rejoice about uh, today. So, well, we're, we're going to be looking at Isaiah chapter 9, and that's sort of where we're looking. So if you want to turn to Isaiah chapter 9, if you can find Isaiah, it's sort of, it's there somewhere. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 9. And um, I'm going to read, I'll read the first three verses. But there will be no gloom for her who is in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee, of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you, as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. So, uh, it seems to have, is this still working, this mic? Okay, that's good. So, if we can have uh, slide number two, and uh, I just want to pick out a few um, little points from this, and we'll notice in, in verse one and two, it talks about gloom and darkness, but then it talks in verse two, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. It's from darkness to light. There's this shift from darkness to light. And then uh, in verse 1, it says, There will be no more gloom for her who was in anguish. So it starts off with anguish, with sorrow and hurt. But then in verse 3, it talks about joy. You've increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest. They are glad. Joyness and gladness. So we, we see this, uh, this journey from, from darkness to light, from anguish to joy. That sounds good, yeah? Oh, good. I'm just checking you're still listening. You're still awake. Excellent. That sounds good. So, but what does light symbolize for Isaiah? Because he's talking about light. And I, I thought, well, I just want to look at, at something that Isaiah said. And I went back to chapter 2 of Isaiah. And in chapter 2, um, he's seeing a vision of the end times. 
And in verse 3, he says, Many people shall come and say, Come, let's go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. So that, for Isaiah, he's already been preaching it. Walk in the light of the Lord, in the light of what he says in his law, in his word, in his declarations, in his statutes. That, for Isaiah, is what he's been preaching about light so far. So when he's talking about light suddenly appearing on the scene, already in the back of my mind he's thinking about, well, there's the light of God's law. There's the light of what God has declared. This is what you're supposed to do. Hmm. Why was there anguish, though? Because uh, we see in in chapter 9, verse 1, there was anguish. So, again, I I wanted to look back, and um, I I looked at chapter 8, and just leading up to um, chapter 9. So, I'll read chapter 8, verse 20. And again, we we see, (laughs) this is Isaiah's declaration And he declares to the people, to the teaching and to the testimony. If they will not speak according to this word, it is because they have no dawn. They have no light. If they don't have the word of God, they have no light, he's saying. That's his declaration. And so he carries on. Verse uh, 21, they will pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry, Uh, When they're hungry, they'll be enraged, they'll speak speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upward, and they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they'll be thrust into thick darkness because they're not listening to God's word. They're not listening to God's word. But, he goes on in chapter 9, there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish, and then he continues talking about the light will come. So, He's looking to the past and he's saying, well, this was all, the light was God's word. And all it brought about was gloom and anguish because people said, I don't want to listen to that. (laughs) I don't want to listen to God's word. But he says, no, another light is coming then, a far greater light, a light that will bring joy. Well, let's go on to slide three. And... uh, our next slide, it's, it's quotation time. Uh, it's quotation time. And uh, I'm going to just read this little quotation. We're just going to break up the service here. It's quotation time. You can relax. I'm just going to read a quotation. And it's from the Bible. It's good, it's good you know. It's good to have a quotation from the Bible. This is what Jesus said. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. 
And people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. I'm just going to pause. I'm going to allow you just to read it and think about it and ponder on it. Does that speak to your heart? Because when light comes, it can show up all sorts of stuff in our lives, which is stuff that we don't want people to know about. Stuff that we just want to keep hidden. We just want to keep in the closet, you know. And when the light shines and you go, oh, that's a bit messy. And suddenly everybody's looking at you and, oh, this is embarrassing. (laughs) I wanted to keep that hidden. I didn't want people to know about that. Oh, dear. That's the trouble when light comes. That's the problem. But God wants us to come to the light. Okay, let's have our next slide. And uh, we've had quotation time, now it's story time. It's story time. I'm going to tell you a a story. And uh, our story is from uh, the book of Nehemiah. Let me try and find Nehemiah now. Oh, gosh, it's hidden away near the start of the Bible somewhere. Uh, I know it's after Ezra. Numbers, Joshua, Judges, Samuel, Kings, Chronicles, Ezra... Oh, yeah, I'm going to find it, don't worry. Oh, it's just, yeah, there we go, Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 8. Story time. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law Before the assembly, both men and women and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it, facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. Can you imagine that? He was telling them a story. He had found this book of the law. And and in the uh, Hebrew, it's the Torah. And you may say, well, what's the Torah? The Torah is the first five books of the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And so he had found this book and he said, well, I, I want to read it. I want to tell them a story. And so he got up early in the morning and he started reading it from Genesis. Perhaps, I don't know how far he got because he kept on reading it. It says later, he read it for seven days. He kept on reading it. He kept on going. And they would have heard Right at the start of Genesis, God created the world and it was all full of darkness. It was void and suddenly there was light and light shone in the darkness. And they go, wow, I'm sure they were listening. Oh, this is interesting. I want to hear more. And they would have heard the the story of Adam and Eve and the fall and the fact that, that Adam just wanted to hide from God because suddenly here was the light of the world coming and standing in the garden, calling out to him and he just wanted to hide And then they would have heard the story of Cain and Abel and how Cain had murdered Abel and just wanted to hide Abel and bury him. 
and hide it away. But God said, actually, I can hear the blood calling out. (laughs) They would have heard the story of Noah and the flood and the destruction of the world. They would have heard the story of Sodom and Gomorrah and the Sodom and Gomorrah and the destruction of that. They would have heard the stories of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Eventually they would have got to Exodus and they would have heard the stories of the Ten Commandments and hey, this is what you've got to do. This is what you've got to do. And what was their response to all of these stories as they started to read the law? Well, let's uh, continue in Nehemiah. I'll read from verse 8 of chapter 8. They read from the book from the law of God clearly, and they gave the sense that the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law, because it touched their heart, because suddenly they realized, (laughs) suddenly the light is shining into their life. All of the light of God is shining into their life and they just go, oh, we're full of darkness. The light of the law of God shows up just how dark we are. And all the people just were weeping before Ezra and Nehemiah. And that's what the law can do to us. It can just touch our heart and we realize this holy God is just so full of light. He's just so holy. And we're not. (laughs) We're not in ourselves in our flesh. But what does Nehemiah say? He says, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people wept. And then in verse 10, Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready, for this day is holy to our Lord, and do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's interesting, isn't it? The joy of the Lord is your strength. The way that you get strong is to rejoice. Rejoice that the light has come. Yeah, it's challenging you. Yeah, it's it's revealing stuff that you probably don't want to be revealed. But rejoice in it. He says, go and rejoice. Go and have a party. Relax. I hope you're going to enjoy Christmas this year. Yeah, I hope you're going to have a party. I hope you're going to enjoy it. Even if God shines his light into your life and he shows you a few things that uh, you're, you're like, oh, I wish God wasn't challenging me on this. But God just says, just rejoice, relax, enjoy the fact that I'm showing stuff to you. Because that is how you find strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You know, I was chatting to somebody the other day about it. And um, I was thinking it's interesting because I'd always thought to myself, the joy of the Lord, that's a fruit of the Spirit. You really need the fruit of the Spirit within you. And I'm, Lord, please give me joy. I don't think I've got it. Please give me joy, Lord. And Nehemiah just goes, hey, just go and party. (laughs) Just go and eat and relax and just have a physical way of just enjoying yourself. Because just enjoying yourself, it's just celebrating the fact that what God's doing is right and proper. He's shining light into our lives. So just enjoy it. Just relax. Don't be afraid. Don't be worried. Don't be concerned. Oh, God's challenging me. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. He's challenging me. That's all right. He knows. He loves me. He's challenging me. He's shining light into my life. I'm just going to relax and enjoy it. That's easier said than done. Which is why Nehemiah says, well, just go, go and concentrate on some food. Just go and concentrate on some drink. 
Just concentrate on, on sending some presents out. Just concentrate on doing something practical which will just help you to relax and enjoy the fact that God loves you and he loves others. So just relax. That's, that's uh, an interesting thing, isn't it? That's what he's saying there. Oh, well, that's, uh, that's our story there. That's story time done. Let's move on. Let's go back to Isaiah. So if we can have our next slide, slide up. Oh, we're still working with the slides. Excellent. Um, slide number five. Um, and I've just got to try and find Isaiah again. Uh, I need a little bookmark, don't I? Oh, well, never mind. Isaiah chapter 9. I'm going to read from verse 3. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt... Oh, no, I'm reading from verse 2, aren't I? From verse 3. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. In verse 1, uh, it talks about a land being brought into contempt. It was brought, brought into contempt. But then God talks about it being made glorious. And here we see... Um, the burdensome yoke, the oppression, the war, and the bloodshed. And later on, we will see that, that God wants to replace that with a government of peace. So God wants to change things around. But how does he do that? How does he do that? What is the story here? Well, it's quotation time. It's quotation time. Um, I, I was trying to think of a little, um, a little ditty to sing so you'd remember. Quotation time. Quotation time. It's quotation time. It's quotation time. It's quotation time. And we're going to listen to some little quotations. So if we can have the next slide. And we're going to have quotations from the Bible. Because I like quotations from the Bible. This is what John said. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Hallelujah. That's the reason Jesus came. That's the reason he came. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? To destroy the works of the devil. And here's another quotation from the book of Hebrews. Since therefore the children, that's us, share in flesh and blood, Jesus himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil. He's going to destroy the devil. He's already doing a work of destroying the devil, and that's why he came, to destroy the devil. Wow. And deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Those are awesome quotations, aren't they? Isn't that awesome? That's why Jesus came. And so when Isaiah is... is thinking of this, ah, it's going to be like when the warriors are just gone. Well, in the New Testament, we see these quotations. I'm just going to stop. I'm going to pause again just for a moment, just for you to think about those words.
Okay, so let's move on to the next slide, and it's, it's story time again. Our next story is from the book of Judges. And this is what, um, uh, this is what Isaiah was talking about when he says that it's like when that day when Midian was defeated. It's like, well, who was Midian? What was Midian? What's that about? And uh, we'll find it in the book of Judges. Judges chapter 6 says this. The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian overpowered Israel, and because of Midian, the people of Israel made for themselves the dens that are in the mountains, and the caves, and the strongholds. For whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. They would encamp against them and devour the produce of the land as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel and no sheep or ox or donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents. They would come like locusts in number. Both they and their camels could not be counted. So that they laid waste the land as they came in. And Israel was brought very low because of Midian. And the people of Israel cried out for help to the Lord. What an absolute disaster for the people of Israel when the Midianites came. And what a relief it would be if only somebody would come and... and Get rid of Midian. There would be such rejoicing if Midian could be defeated. But how could it happen? Well, uh, I'll allow you to go home sometime and read uh, all of Judges, and uh, you'll find out. But uh, we're just going to read um, chapter 7 and verse 16 to 22 and see what happened. This guy Gideon was there, and God had chosen Gideon. God called Gideon, and I'll read from verse uh, 16. So Gideon divided the 300 men into three companies and put trumpets into the hands of all of them and empty jars with torches inside the jar. So he has these, these clay jars and within the jar would be a, a torch which would be lit but it would just be smoldering, just a smoldering torch within the jar. And he said to them, look at me and do likewise. When I come to the outskirts of the camp, do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then blow the trumpets also on every side of all the camp and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outskirts of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, when they had just set the watch. And they blew the trumpets and smashed the jars that were in their hands. Then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the jars. They held in their left hands the torches and in their right hands the trumpets to blow. And they cried out a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Every man stood in his place around the camp and all the army ran. They cried out and fled. Because what's happened? It's pitch black. It's darkness. It's the middle of the night. And suddenly they're breaking torches and light is piercing the darkness. Light is piercing the darkness. And the army is just like, oh, I'm terrified. We've just got to run. And they end up killing each other and fighting. And just each, every man for himself. <laughs> it's an amazing defeat. And Isaiah is thinking back to this wonderful story of the light shining in the darkness. And how the enemy was defeated. He says, ah, oh, that's what's going to happen when Jesus comes. He's going to shine his light and the enemy will just 
it will just flee because the light is so powerful. It is so strong. It is so mighty. It is so holy that the enemy just cannot stand the light of God. The enemy cannot stand the light of God. Do you want that light in your life? (laughs) It may show up all sorts of stuff in your life. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. Don't worry. Because the enemy doesn't like it either. The light of God is powerful and strong. Hallelujah. Let's go on to the next slide and we'll we'll, uh, finish off our story in Isaiah. Let's uh, go back to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9. Ah. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Hallelujah. This is our Jesus. This is the one who we're celebrating this Christmas time. This is who he is. He's wonderful. He is a counselor. He's almighty God the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. This is who he is. Hallelujah. And this is who Isaiah was just seeing, prophesying about and seeing in his mind's eye and just knowing that Jesus was going to come. Hallelujah. Quotation time. Quotation time. It's quotation time. I'm not going to sing it all the time. Here we go. Let's get up our next uh, quotations. And... Oh, uh, actually, I've I've steered away from the Bible just for a second. Oh, dear. Uh Uh-oh. I've steered away because, you know, I was listening to this song the other day by by Morrissey, uh, the Smiths. But he said these words. I'm not going to sing it. Don't worry. Oh, you you want me to? I I may get a copyright strike on the... uh... (laughs) You shut your mouth. How can you say I go about things the wrong way? I am human and I need to be loved. Just like everybody else does. Something like that. I need some accompaniment though, really. But anyway, so that's what Morrissey was singing. He was singing, oh, look, just shut your mouth. How can you say I go about things the wrong way? And that's, that's our response so often when somebody shines a light into our life and says, you should be doing this, you should be doing that. We're just like, oh, shut up. <laughs> it's difficult, isn't it? It's so annoying. Because we say we just want to be loved. And, and probably the person is saying, well, I do love you. <laughs> I do love you, which is why I'm telling you, which is why I'm shining the light on this situation. It's like, oh, it's difficult, isn't it? So I've chosen another quote, <laughs> which is from the Bible. Excellent. Jesus said this, I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Isn't that awesome? I'm just going to leave that up there just for a few seconds just for you to 
Think about that. So it's story time. Our final story of the day. This is a good one. I like this story. I mean, they've all been good so far. I hope you'll agree. But I I like this story. John chapter 8, verse 1 to 12. Oh, this is a lovely story. I'll read from verse 1 to 5, first of all. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives... Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. There he was, shining his light, declaring truth to them, declaring to them how they should live and how they should respond to God. And the scribes and Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? Oh, oh, wow. That's a tricky one, isn't it? Because when light shines, it shines very uncomfortably for this poor woman. Well, I say poor. She may have been rich. But there she is, caught in the act. (laughs) So embarrassing. The light has shone, and, and she's being dragged into the temple. And it's being declared, look at this woman. Look at what she's done. The light is shining on her. What should we do? Well, according to the law, one of the Ten Commandments is, Thou shalt not commit adultery. And here she is standing before the light of the world, Jesus himself. What's going to happen? What's he going to say? What's going to be done? The people are seeking the law to be fulfilled. And we know Isaiah said that Jesus would come to establish and uphold the kingdom with justice and with righteousness. Isaiah 9 verse 7. He would uphold it with justice and with righteousness. Well, people are looking for justice. What's he going to say? What's he going to do? Well, let's read uh, verse 5 to 9. So, now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. What do you say? And this they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Uh, And Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more, he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the old ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. All of her enemies start to be sent away. Every single one. Jesus has come to deal with our enemies. He's come to deal with the accusing finger, the pointing finger. He deals with every single enemy that comes against us. Whenever light shines into our life and we're afraid that, oh, I don't know what that person will think. I don't know what that person will think. You know what? Jesus comes along and says, get lost. Go away. (laughs) You're all without, are any of you without sin? Go on, off you go. Off you go. This is between me and my child. It's just between me and you. So don't worry about anybody else because I'm shining my light into your life and 
You don't need to worry about anybody else. It's just between us and God. He sends everybody away. In verse 10, Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, Lord, she says. No one's condemned me. Jesus says, Well, neither do I condemn you. Go. And from now on, sin no more. And again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Immediately, that's what he says next. Once he sent everybody away. What I find interesting about this story is that he starts to write on the ground. Have you noticed that? He starts to write on the ground with his finger. I was pondering about that last night. I was thinking, oh, that's interesting. He wrote on the ground with his finger. I wonder what he wrote. Have you ever wondered that? I wonder what he wrote. He doesn't say what he wrote. Hmm. That's interesting, isn't it? Well, what's happened here is that they've, they have, um, they've come to him and they've said, do you remember what the law was written by Moses? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you would naturally think of the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments, thou shalt not commit adultery. And it says in Exodus chapter 31, verse 18, God gave to Moses, when he had finished speaking with him on Mount Sinai, the two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of God. Tablets of stone. This is the law. It is written on stone. It is absolutely manifest. It is there for eternity. It will not change. This is the law. And then he's confronted, Jesus is confronted with this woman. And Have you ever seen those programs where <laughs> the policeman is there and uh, he's writing stuff in his notebook and the person's going, oh, I wonder what he's writing. Oh, he's writing stuff down. Oh, I, I didn't mean to say that. Oh, he's writing stuff down. And that's what Jesus is doing. He's confronted with this woman. And he's like, right, I'm writing stuff down now. And she's probably, what on earth is he writing about me? What's he going to say? He's writing stuff down. It's probably all about what I've done. And then he looks around and he says, right, is there anybody else without sin? Right, I'm writing stuff down. Oh, <laughs> I'm writing stuff down in the dirt. Oh, they go, oh, right. <laughs> well, we're off then. He's writing stuff down. But the law, the law is absolutely permanent. It will not change. Not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until it's accomplished. But when confronted with our sin... Love keeps no record of wrongs. Do you believe that? Love keeps no record of wrongs. Yeah, he'll write it down. He'll say, oh, what have you done? And he's, oh, nobody condemns you. It's gone. It's gone. Isn't that awesome? So the disciples will be, oh, I wonder what he wrote. Ah, it's gone. It's dis- I can't record it. I can't write it down. Nobody knows what he wrote down. It's gone. That's how Jesus treats us with our sin (laughs) he may write it down for a season and go but then we say I'm sorry Lord okay it's gone then I keep no record of your wrongs because I love you Jesus is the light of the world he wants to shine his light into our lives and as we come into the light he says right I'll just wipe away the darkness from you I'll wipe away the darkness from you Hallelujah. Let's pray.
Well, Lord, we we praise and thank you for who you are, Lord. You're just wonderful. You want your light to shine in our lives because you are the light of the world. And you just want to wipe away the darkness from our lives, Lord. You want to wipe away every hold that the devil has and you just want to defeat the devil. And that was why you came, Jesus, to defeat the devil's work. You just want to shine your light into our lives and just wipe away the darkness from our lives and treat it as if it had never been. Lord, we praise and thank you for who you are, Lord. We praise and thank you for your word, which is light to our lives. And we pray that you will just shine your light into our lives and that we will be able to rejoice and find joy. The joy of the Lord being our strength in you. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Stephen. We're just going to stand and sing our final song that Ivan's going to lead us through. We're going to sing Light of the World. Would you like to stand with us? Yeah. Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. Beauty that made these hearts adore you. Hope of a 